All right, boys, welcome back. We're about three hours in uh, with Derek. Derek been very, very uh, generous with his time this evening with us, uh, considering he just had um, some some kindergarten stuff to sort out with his kids and uh, doing some having some family matters early in the evening. So he's mm-hmm. he's kicking it pretty late with us here at Flag Hunting, uh, but we are back in his element. He he kind of ventured into my world with the with the Masters a little bit early this evening, but we now transition into this week's NASCAR race. Uh, the Food City Dirt Race at, at Bristol. Uh, obviously, have Chris here with us, Derek Yoder. Um, I was going to say at Picks by Blaze, but is it, it is actually at Derek Yoder underscore now. So uh, <laughs> it, I, I, yeah, I, I grew up a little bit. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've come a long way. We have it. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's, it's always awesome to have Derek on. He's going to, um, yeah, he's going to give his, his insights uh, ahead of his big show tomorrow night. Obviously Derek uh, hosts the NASCAR betting preview every Wednesday nights on Twitter uh, with guys like Mark, with guys like Rory, with Phil, all friends of the show. So he does a phenomenal job just not only producing that show, but just promoting the entire NASCAR betting industry. Also co-host of all things go with Brian Murphy, uh, which provides some phenomenal insights just in the general landscape of motorsport. If you guys are interested in more of the minutia of what goes on for these teams on a week to week basis, that is certainly a podcast I'd be checking out. So he's got a, he's got a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of he's got feet in both camps or feet in a lot of different camps, but he's coming on with us here on Tuesday night to, to talk preliminary thoughts on uh, on Bristol Dirt. But first off, I do kind of want to you know take a few steps back. You know, we, we celebrate our wins, but we also reflect on our losses. And, um, you know, Richmond for a decent portion of stage two, it seemed like JGR was the team to beat. We were pretty heavy on JGR with uh, with, you know, a live bet on Bell, uh, a pre tournament or a pre race um, bet on Hamlin and. It looked pretty good until all of a sudden it kind of didn't there in stage three with some pit stop uh, woes and some maybe some bad strategy calls from some of those teams. So, um, yeah, just kind of give your overarching thoughts on, overarching thoughts on the race, uh, Chris and Derek, and and kind of, yeah, what you learned overall and, you know, how, how, how your day went. I think what I've learned the most, and it's been a full year thing, right, is I hate late race cautions. <laughs> um, and how many times has this blown up our card, it feels like? Um, yeah. you know, I felt like we were in a good position for a good majority of this race, you know, with, with Denny and, and Bell, you know, we really needed that long run speed. We needed it to, you know, hashtag stay green, shout out Chris Worm. Um, we, but we needed, we needed that long run if we were going to have a chance at an outright. Um, so as soon as that caution came out with, I think first one was 23 to go. And then the second one was 17 to go. I kind of felt like our, our chances were kind of slim there. Um, you know, but I don't think, I don't think. You know, I think I would do it all over again. I think I would still bet Hamlin and Bell. Um, you even tried to talk me into Martin Truex over the weekend. You were really trying to get me on Truex, and I couldn't quite get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, um, yeah, I liked I liked the race overall. I thought it was good. I mean, and we saw it from Jeff Gluck's poll today: eighty percent from the fans do this, so the fans thought so as well. Um, yeah. You know, we had, of course, late race cautions blew up a, a William Byron T five bet that we had that just seemed like an absolute lock all day long. William Byron just had like an absolute rocket ship all over again. Um, the Ryan Blaney top 10, definitely wrong. Most definitely wrong about that one. Um, I think, I think Derek was actually on, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had a Logano top 10, right? Um, I had a, a Logano over Blaney. Okay. Oh, even better. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely took the better angle there. Uh, we definitely got that one wrong. I was, I'm still, I was still hoping for like a little bit of that Phoenix magic with Blaney, but clearly it's, it's just not the same this year. Um, 
And then, yeah, I guess the one matchup that we that we didn't get right was Stenhouse over Gregson, but that looked like it was going to be a mortal lock with Stenhouse on a rocket ship in the beginning of that, that race. And then I think, I don't know if he broke a brake line or an oil leak or something like that and brought it behind the wall. Um, so a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Um, but yeah, Derek, what about you? What Anything good or bad for you? Yeah, not much good. Uh, I'll touch on the... Uh... Oh, I'll touch on the good first, really. So Logano over Blaney, um, that was a lock almost from the get-go. There were so many people that were on Blaney, and he just it's one of those things where he, he's verbally said how he doesn't like the track. It's not uh, favorable to him. Um, we saw some of his statistics last year where he sat on pole, let a lot of laps, didn't have a lot of fastest laps. So I was happy to fade him. I should have faded him more. I knew it. I should going in. I should have faded him more times than I did, obviously, just with Logano. Had Alex Bowman top 10, started on pole uh, with the uh, you know the rain kind of taking that out. So I got him. But then, <clears throat> then I had Austin Sindrick over Ty Gibbs. I was wrong about Ty Gibbs. I was wrong about Austin Sindrick. Sindrick was as good as a dump truck was in that race. And Ty Gibbs, you know, he's finished now three consecutive races where he's really finished races. Denny Hamlin talked about it on his podcast where Hamlin said, I've passed him about 20 times the last three races. However, Gibbs has been beating him uh, on track when it comes to the checkered flag. So Ty's doing something right and getting those finishes, but really what came down to the live ads for me, um, you know, I put a lot of stock into that. I love betting Richmond. It's one of my favorite races. And unfortunately I wasn't able to hit the winner. I had Denny Hamlin a few times, Joey Logano a few times, Chris Bell. So I was sitting in good position, Bell and Hamlin arguably had the two fastest cars. Um, obviously, yeah. Larson. I, I stared down at 12 to 1. I talked a buddy of mine off a 12 to 1 ticket. And uh, little did you know, Larson comes back, steals it. But like you said, Chris, you know, it's really tough because you can't handicap late race cautions and that yeah. mixes up a whole lot of stuff. So it's kind of like it's an interesting. It's an interesting year so far when it comes to some of those races and how they played out. But Luckily, year to date, you know, I'm still sitting at uh, over 21 units gained, which is a great start. So I'm happy about that, even with all these crazy cautions at the end. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of happy Richmond's in the rear view only because it didn't work out. But um, I'm looking at my chops for the next time. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. one of those things where I think if you sorry, Chris, I think if you I think if you kind of had like, quote unquote, the right side, you. Mm -hmm ended up in the negative <laughs> to be honest i think i think the better your read was on the actual race for like 65 percent of it 70 percent of it mm -hmm. the kind of the worst results ended up being because larson like for one time in the last like two years like he didn't have the best car and like you said he kind of stole it at the end you know maybe a bit of comeuppance for uh for vegas and for phoenix i think those are the two where he really really was a was a top one or two car for most of the most of the day and then got uh got usurped there at the end where he was kind of hanging around in the top three to seven most of the day. And then, you know, the late rate cost, late race cost has obviously helped his, his cause, whereas it hurt a lot of the JGR guys and Byron, et cetera. So um, yeah, that's just kind of the variance. I think that NASCAR deals with uh, as opposed to some other sports where there's just things out of your control, out of the driver's control where, I mean, I mean, Truex had a legit race winning car until the caution came out and all of a sudden uh, he was the only one on, um, on the first, 20 rows without uh without fresh tires so um yeah just just kind of to chalk that up i think the variance i think you know as someone that that obviously followed chris i felt really good uh for a large majority of that race and 
Uh, to your point, Bell and Hamlin looked phenomenal until, you know, Hamlin has a 20-second pit stop, and, and Bell, he did that a couple – I mean, he did that a couple times where he just he just waits way too long to pit. Um, and then by the time – I mean, he lost probably six to seven seconds on that, like, uh, that final green flag pit stop. He just wasn't able to make up that gap even with a couple restarts. So, um, yeah, that, I mean, I, I, it's one of those races where, I, it, you know, we've had kind of the, the best car winning for like a, a good stretch of maybe a month, month and a half where like the quote unquote chalk has hit and the proper driver has won. Um, and I think this is the first race in a little while where you can kind of point to, yeah, Larson, you know, maybe got away with one there, even, if, even though he was able to cash a 12 to one ticket uh, live. Yeah. Well, Denny Hamlin too. I mean, he, he, man, how many times does he have to have issues on pit road yeah, where he has penalties? Shot himself in the foot. Yeah, exactly. So it's always the risk I know taking him, but he's going to be there. And this is one of his best tracks. He had the fastest car, obviously when he had the first issue, went all the way back, rallied all the way front. I mean, there were so many opportunities to get on him at, you know, double digit to one numbers and then had the issue again. Um, and, and some of these aren't his fault. I get it, but he had the fastest car. Bell was so good when they told Bell uh, right before that last pit stop. Now you can go. And he started, he went from like six to third and what was like nothing. I was like, holy crap, this guy is going, he's going to win it. I mean, there was not a doubt in my mind, but obviously things happen. Uh, those things change, but it's betting. Uh, it's NASCAR. It's an interesting product this year. Uh, I feel like most of the, the industry is really on top of it, but it, it's really tough to say to new betters to have them come on board and be like, yeah, you can make money here. It's really tough. It's really tough. It's very hard. So yeah, yeah. it's an interesting thing. <clears throat> yeah, no, without a doubt. It, it, it's a, to your point about Denny too, right? Like he even talked about in his podcast, like he's, he's one of those guys that you just kind of know is going to have like a speeding penalty on pit road because he's trying to push it to the limit. He really is. He's trying yeah. to push it as far as he can to make up that time. Um, and I thought one thing is actually interesting on action center detrimental. He called out um, like the Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick are like two of the best at, at not getting penalized on pit road. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy. Cause you know, they're one of the guys that, you know, they tend to, to make the most of, of that stretch run from, from the beginning of pit road to getting off. Um, Cause I think Denny actually, the, the first time he got bit coming into pit road, the second time he got bit coming off pit road. Um, so it's two completely different sides of the, of the scale there. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's 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 things like that you can't cap, right? You can't cap pit road penalties. You can't cap late race cautions. You just you hope that you know the speed prevails. And and uh, you know for the large majority of that race, we were kind of sitting in the same position. And then you also had Joey, who Joey I think had a good mix of, of short run and long run speed. So he was definitely an interesting bet. Of whereas like Toyota, as soon as that late caution came out, I kind of knew we were dead in the water because you know they needed that 30, 35 plus lap run to to really make moves. So. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think we can put Richmond to bed. Um, not, not a lot of good to talk about here on either side, but we're moving on to the Bristol dirt race, um, in, uh, obviously at Bristol motor speedway, um, on Easter Sunday, which is a widely debated topic among the drivers. Um, and then as we just talked about on the masters podcast, Hey, you can watch the masters pretty much all the way up to the finish and then turn switch it over to Fox for, uh, we should be on main coverage. I would think not FS1. It should be on Fox. Um, so, uh, for this Bristol dirt race, but, um, yeah, so just kind of a quick background for anyone who doesn't know, this is the third time we've been here, the third iteration of this race. Um, it is in, in the, uh, on Bristol Motor Speedway, they do lay down dirt for this race, um, on this half mile concrete track. So it is 
quote unquote, a dirt race. Um, whether or not dirt actually holds up like that, we'll see. You know, two years ago, kind of like this weekend, right? A lot of rain leading up to it. It didn't really run like a dirt track. Uh, Denny Ham actually called that out on his on his podcast this morning, or I listened to it this morning, but really yesterday, I guess. Um, and he talked about how two years ago it didn't really race like a dirt track. It almost raced more like a concrete track than anything. Um, and if you go back and look at the numbers, that that kind of holds true. Some of the guys that are, are typically good at Bristol concrete were good on the Bristol dirt two years ago. Now, last year, it ran more like a dirt race, and we saw the dirt guys prevail. You know, Tyler Reddick, Chase Briscoe, uh, Stenhouse, um, you know, all those dirt guys were kind of running that towards the front. Um, so two completely different iterations of this race. We come to the third year, you know, not really knowing what to expect, but we're, we're going to obviously keep an eye on the weather. And um, I don't think it's going to be a washout, so to speak, but there is rain in the forecast pretty much every day leading up to it. Um, so something to keep to keep in mind here. Um but yeah, Derek, I guess any 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 other arching thoughts that I didn't cover there in that little intro? Uh, no, I think you touched on everything. You know, it's one of those races where obviously they moved it to Easter. Easter traditionally was a weekend where the NASCAR series was off. Uh, but then, you know, with the TV deals coming up at the end of 2024, trying to capitalize the most that they can on generating those numbers for an event. Uh, it makes sense why the race is on that day. It's a, it's, it's kind of like a Talladega or Daytona, maybe even more of a wild card uh, than some of those races. I feel like the super speedways are a little bit more even predictable than maybe what Bristol Dirt is because, like we saw last year when it rained and they called the cars down to pit road and and you had some of the cars sliding down the dirt and uh, just a fascinating thing, kind of cringeworthy a little bit there too. But I think. Um, I think there's opportunities to make money. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think you'll be able to talk me in a few of them, but um, it's one of those races where, Hey, every, all the eyeballs should be on that event after the masters. So that's what I'm looking forward to. But I think Bristol doing it for the third year, they've got this system down. They're going to do a good job in making the track drivable for the, for the drivers. So that part of it should give us the best type of racing. Uh, and it's not a shit show by any means um, yeah. where there's caution after caution after caution. It's, it's actually, there are some fairly longer runs once the guys get it figured out. And, but there are elements that we're just not accustomed to. So uh, you can't really predict today going into Sunday, whose car is going to overheat after four laps because they got mud and stuff on it. It's just a little hard to predict. So hopefully guys, uh, in the shop are obviously um, utilizing some of the data points that they can from years past. But no, I think you touched on everything and i um, looking forward to kind of chatting a little bit about handicapping the race. And I think yeah. one thing I didn't cover was, sorry, one more thing was the schedule for the weekend. Uh, we do have two practice sessions on Friday night, 6 35 PM Eastern standard time. And then eight thirty two Eastern standard time. Um, it's going to be like, it's going to be, I think it's truck cup, truck cup, I think is how they're doing the practice schedule. Um, and then Saturday, uh, we do have heat races. So first time we've had heat races since, um, the clash a little bit different though. We're not sending them to be home. We're just determining the order. Um, so I think that those were, oh crap. I had pockets tweet up earlier. It's either 15 or 30 lap, um, heat races. Um, don't quote me I on believe that. they're, I believe they're, yeah, I believe they're 15. I know last year, uh, Ty Dillon was a name that won, yeah. Uh, one of the heat races and had his car up there. So maybe a, maybe a sleeper name to kind of watch um, going forward. But yeah. Yeah. And to your point, right. So uh, we can use those heat races to our advantage. So we can, we can kind of use those to kind of see, you know, a, what the track looks like and, and B, 
you know, who's kind of running well and if there's anyone we can kind of catch catch the book sleeping on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then come Sunday, obviously, Sunday at 7 p.m., racing under the lights in Bristol on the dirt. So um, that's kind of what the schedule looks like. But, yeah, Ian, I'll throw it back to you. I think you were about to bring something up. No, I just, I just kind of want to reiterate with Derek's point that, you know, I, I know the first, like 2021 was obviously the debut of this race and it was just an absolute abject failure. I think even that, like NASCAR fans, casuals, like no matter who was watching the race, like it was a bit of a shit show with, you know, how much dirt was getting kicked off on restarts. They had to do started with single file restarts just because like, you know, guys were just, weren't able, were not even able to see on the backstretch, you know, when they were, uh, and part of that I think was, you know, having the race during the day, um, having the glare from the sun, plus the, the clouds of dust getting kicked up. But, you know, last year, I think, you know, despite the, the the result that broke our hearts, like I think overall it was a much more um, just coherent, better flowing race in, in general. And, and to Chris's point, it, you know, you could certainly predict it a little bit more if you're if you're looking at guys like with dirt backgrounds and, and you know, Reddick and, and Logano, or I'm sorry, Reddick and, and Larson and, and Bell all kind of making their mark on the race throughout the, throughout the course of the weekend. So, um so yeah, we can only hope that the NASCAR is, you know, has used these first two iterations to start to figure stuff out because I think the concept is actually really cool. Just having a dirt race in the middle of a NASCAR schedule, um, and you know, if you just allow these guys to figure out um, the format and the, the the setup of the track for the first two years, um, maybe this can become something that you know NASCAR fans can begin to embrace uh, starting in twenty twenty three, and it can become one of the marquee events on this calendar because, um, yeah, it is it is different and. Um, it's obviously held at one of the most iconic venues you guys have, um, in the sport. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I had to say. I do kind of want to go before we get into the odds board. Um, obviously the, the overarching question you have to have this week is we're not on concrete. So for the first time since 2022 in April, uh, we're racing on dirt. These guys, you know, I mean, I know Larson has had his, his stints on dirt. I know guys have grown up on the surface. And so like, that's something that you guys are obviously will be handicapped or will be utilizing in your handicapping process. But in terms of like 2023 data, or at least like recent form coming in, like, are you putting any stock into like how these drivers have performed in the first six, seven races of the year? Or is this just an entirely different animal? Uh, and we're, we're weighing way, way more on, you know, just history here at this particular venue, Chris or, or Derek, whoever wants to chime in. Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking at any specific track from this year, but I think it's always important to look at like a momentum standpoint. So like I always bring in, I always have at least one metric, one or two metrics in my model looking at like, I call it momentum, right? Or like who's got the total speed over the course of the year and who's got the total speed over the last maybe three or four races. So I typically do look at that, but I'm not looking at it. It's not a one for one comparison for any track we've seen this year. Um, I mean, obviously I'm looking at Bristol dirt last year. Um, and I do, I am bringing in a little bit Bristol concrete just because of that quote from Denny Hamlin's podcast of like, Hey, if it is really wet and it's going to race like it did two years ago, and it's going to race like a short track, then I think Bristol's concrete history is, has at least a little bit of significance. Right. So I'm sprinkling in a little bit of that, but other than that, that's, that's kind of all I'm looking at. Um, what about you, Derek? Yeah, I'm not looking at any track uh, specific. I'm actually not. I haven't looked at anything yet to even apply it. But like you said, I like the momentum factor. I think that's good, especially with some of these guys that have uh, a strength in, uh, you know, dirt racing that are able to maybe rip it on the the line and just find that extra spot uh, where they can get the most speed. Uh, Again, we talk about it a lot. 
But a guy that is or a driver or two that are racing double duty, there's a number of guys this this year again that are doing the trucks. That just that lends so much into the race because the surface is the exact same. Now, like it's different at some of the other tracks where the tires are different and some of the some of the uh, elements are different when you look at truck Xfinity to cup. However, when you look at the trucks to cup, this is the closest comparison you're going to find all year of these two makes being able to kind of compare them. So the drivers that are able to compete uh, in the truck series uh, this year, I think are going to have a really, um, I wouldn't, I don't want to say sizable, but they're going to have a distinct advantage. I would say uh, going in this year and, because there's a number of them, like Byron's in the 51, Briscoe's in the 22, Logano, uh, he's going to be racing in you know again this year. So just those name those names alone, um, especially Byron, because like you said, I mean, who's better been by, better than Byron throughout the year? He's been so strong. Uh, yeah. That's going to play really well for a guy like that who's not at the tops of the odds board either going into the weekend. So um, that's kind of where my mind goes out of the gate. No, for sure. Yeah, that's a really good point, bringing up the truck race, because, you know, not only do these guys maybe get an adjustment or two ahead of their cup setup for Sunday, but, you know, you as NASCAR fans or handicappers, you guys get a chance to see how this race is actually going to play out. And, you know, our guys um, able to race this, able to race this track or the setup like a dirt race, or is this going to maybe fall more into the 2021 category, um, you know, that we saw that maybe adhered more, correlated more uh, to a traditional Bristol race. So, yeah, really, really nice. Um, idea there utilizing the um, the truck series in your handicapping process and um, to Chris's point with the momentum at the top of the odds board the books obviously are, are looking at some of the same stuff you are because a lot of the guys that come in with positive momentum uh, as well as a dirt background are, are listed at the top of the odds board obviously Kyle Larson you would expect would be uh, with his prolific dirt background the consensus favorite he's listed at five to one you also have Tyler Reddick at seven to one obviously the winner um, at Coda just two weeks ago and then Christopher Bell uh, rounds out the top three also at seven to one. So a bit of a tier here from five to seven to one before we break into the nine to 10 to one range. Larson, Bell, Reddick, I would assume there's some level of interest in any one of these guys for you three. But as far as on a Tuesday night, um, are you guys looking to get down at these kind of odds at the outright market or is it more um, of an insurance play or a prop market play for, for you, Chris and Derek? Not for me. Not at these uh, these odds going in. I mean, I understand why Larson, Bell, Reddick, Briscoe uh, are some of the guys that are you know single digits to one numbers, but I'm not jumping on these guys yet. Uh, we touched on it on the uh, the Masters preview where we talked about Rom, Scheffler, and Rory, and just more so said you know kind of having those guys is more of like a a hedge, if you will. There's just so much that could happen on the course of a race that. Like I said, I mean, it could be some, I mean, Larson's not had good finishes here. And um, so it's not been dominated by these dirt racers by any means. I mean, Joey Logano won the first year. Kyle Busch stole the win last year. Uh, last year should have arguably won, obviously, by Reddick or Briscoe. Uh, but ultimately, it was won by Bush. So uh, just because of these guys and their experience does not mean that they're going to go out and, and steal the show. So for me, personally, I'm not jumping at these quite yet. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, very similar. Um, it, it I do feel like it is better odds we've had the last two years. Like it, that we do have a slight discount. Cover. Like I think I think the very first year this opened up, I think we had like Larson about like three plus three hundred. Um, so it is interesting to see that we have a little bit of drift. But uh, yeah, I mean to your exact point, right? So the model that I put together, I don't think I read this out yet, but the top ten that I have um, is Joey Logano number one, 
Kyle Larson, number two, Kyle Bush, number three, William Byer, number four, Reddick, five, Blaney, six, Bowman, seven, Keselowski, eight, Turex, nine, and Stenhouse, ten. Um, so it's kind of some different names in that top ten than you're kind of normally used to seeing, but dirt background, right? Dirt background is kind of the key there. Um, so I think um, – and the guy you didn't hear is, is Christopher Bell. <laughs> so it's to your point, you know, Bell and Larson, you know, for as good as – I don't think anyone will argue that they have been dirt phenoms when they're on the dirt track, you know, in a real dirt track, in a real dirt car, not a stock car on a, on a fake dirt track. Um, so, I mean, not to say that they haven't and they can't be fast here. They, they're, they're some of the best at finding, finding the different lines and finding where the speed is. Um, but at plus 500 and plus 700, I'm not comfortable going, going that, that direction. Yeah. Makes, makes a lot of sense, I guess. Because of the heat races, that, that basically stands in for qualifying, right? We'll still have practice results coming in. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm guessing just based on like the last couple of dirt races, you are looking at more long run speed at these type of tracks. Because I feel like we've gotten some ex- extended green flag runs at least last year. Um, I feel like the race kind of ended on the green, and um, mm-hmm. there wasn't like a, it wasn't like an overall choppy race. So, is long run speed something we're looking at, or are you looking uh, maybe for something else on on Friday Saturday? I wouldn't say long run speed, but like, for instance, on iFancy Race, you can find the fastest late in a run. I think that could be important because it's like what you what you learn over the course of the race, how the track kind of changes and what lines you you kind of pick up in that in that fast of the race. Um, I didn't actually bring it into the model, but I've been kind of looking at that to see like, hey, who who over the last two years was able to like really grasp it as the race went on longer and pick it up. But yeah, you're not going to see yeah. tire wear. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily long run speed. It's more of you're looking at it like differently, like, you know, who was yeah. able to find the, the faster line over the course of the race. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Would, um, would you guys be interested at all if they come out and show speed? Like, is this, is this a race where like you'd be willing to buy high if a Larson, a Reddick, a Bell, a Briscoe, if they, sh- if they show that they're kind of the class of the field, would you be willing to jump in at an inflated price? Or is this just a race that you think is so unpredictable that you'd just rather maybe scattershot a little bit starting further down the board at 12, 14, 16, et cetera? I think that's a good question. I think that uh, ultimately it it's depends how you're going to do your card. I feel like, you know, there's, there's going to be, it, it really comes down to those heat races. Like you could get a guy like Larson that something happens to him in one of the heat races ultimately starts fourth or fifth in that race. And it could be like 29th, 30th, like it could be yeah. a, a bad starting spot. So I don't know if I don't know if holding any of the short prices right now is is the right strategy. I, I, Tuesday night going into Wednesday, I'm trying to look at even maybe what some of the groups or head to heads are. But yeah. it's just so it's so tough right now. But I I, I think it's a double digit guy. I, I think somebody just surprises. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I kind of feel the same. And, and to your point, right, we could also. I think the live mar- the live market can be really important this week too, just just as always, but even more so this week because I mean think about last year, right? Briscoe, I don't remember what he opened at last year, but he it was leading and got a flat tire and spun out like at the beginning, like stage I think it's stage one, um, and then you know his odds probably plummeted and he worked his way back up to the field and, and damn near won this thing. So um, you know I think it's it's very important to kind of keep your keep your eyes to the track and and, and see kind of who's gaining who's gaining late and who's like I said, who's figured out that line and who can who's making up the ground rather than just trying to survive? Yeah, I do feel like it was quite difficult to pass for a lot of guys. And like to Chris's point, there might be only a select few guys 
on Sunday that you would actually trust if they were to fall back to 25th, 30th place that can make their way uh, through the field. So, yeah, just a lot of unknowns to know. I know uh, this is not a week that, you know, it's going to be particularly data intensive, but um, we're going to still try to find uh, as much as we can here on Tuesday night. I know <laughs> this is not Derek's uh, typical schedule, having to having to make stands here on Tuesday, but um, we just do what we can. Yeah, no, I think it's good conversation though because it's it's a wild card type race, but there are opportunities to make, uh, you know, there's profitable advantages. So it's just about finding that right market, that right driver, um, which one's mispriced. But I think Chris touched on it exactly perfect and it is the live markets and especially at a race like this because even the bookmakers uh and the traders that are doing it are not going to have i i don't think they're going to have the the skill set of what they previously had at the traditional tracks where we as the gambler it, as long as we utilize our proper tools in race betting we're going to have the edge so there could be an opportunity here, one or two, that we could um, capitalize and take advantage because, like we saw last year, anything can happen. That final turn, I mean, Bush was nowhere even on the screen, and next thing you know, he's coming around and beating Reddick, which I'm sure killed you guys uh, with you know, Reddick stands and uh, just beat him by like half a door. So it's interesting. Yeah, I think if you had a Kyle Bush ticket on um, on lap – I'm not even sure how many laps they're running this week, but on the final I lap. Did. Okay. Oh, you had a Kyle Bush ticket. Yeah. I had a I Kyle Bush say, ticket won- and a Joey Logano ticket. So I'm, I'm two for two, but it's okay. so my strategy. Yourself? Okay. And now that I'm thinking about it, my strategy has been the first year I did 10, I was going out of town. So I was, I, I couldn't do anything live. Uh, and so I just put, I put 10 outrights. I put money on 10 outrights and I just like, I, I held the cards during the race and I was just like going through it, sorting through. And then last year, I remember, uh, I, I got to think if it was live or if it was pre, but it was kind of like the same thing, like five outrights or something like that. And just kind of, uh, hope for the best and, uh, play something live if I have to. So. Well, there you go. Well, it, felt, it seems mm-hmm. like Derek at least through two years has, has cracked the code. So we <laughs> picked the perfect race. Actually, I was underselling yeah. the whole yeah. predictive process. Uh, this it week, hit me. Yeah. It just hit me. Yeah, Derek. Derek Bristol Dirt is what they call me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's. Yeah. So if if that's not more incentive to tail whatever Derek says over the next uh, hour or so, uh, he's he's done it for you right there. So let's move on now into again that's kind of second tier that has been so profitable over the first two years here at Bristol Dirt, starting out at twelve to one. Uh, again, we've kind of glossed over Chase Briscoe at nine, but I feel like you guys have pretty similar opinions on him uh, versus the top three. Is I mean, nine to one feels like a pretty absurd price to be laying, uh, you know, this early in the week, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Agreement, Derek. Agreement. Yeah. Not. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. Agreement. Okay. Fair enough. That's all. That's all we had to say. I feel like we went pretty far into detail about the, the favorites. So let's move on into maybe some more compelling numbers here on some drivers that. Again, very, very capable of finding the winner's circle this weekend. Starting at 12-1, to 1, we have Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, uh, the two past champions of this event, alongside William Byron, probably the fastest car thus far uh, in 2023 overall. Ryan Blaney then follows him at 14-1. to 1. Then we have Denny Hamlin at 16-1. to 1. So some big, big names on some really big teams uh, with elite equipment here from Logano to Busch to Byron to Blaney to Hamlin. Um, is there a move you're making? Is there a guy you're particularly interested in? as we move on into practice and qualifying or maybe looking into some prop markets. Um, but yeah, if you could kind of power rank these guys or at least pick maybe one or two of your favorites uh, from 12 to 16, what are you guys looking at here? I mean, it's, it's hard not to start. Sorry, Derek. I, I think you're about to speak, but it's hard to not to start with, with Joey Logano, right? I mean, I haven't officially made this click, but 
I mean, with with what I put together, he's number one. He's a former winner here. He's the only guy in the field to finish top five at both races. Um, if you look at drive rate over the two, last two races here, he's number one. So, you know, 12 to one for a guy that is actually, you know, he's kind of outspoken and saying he's not comfortable under, and yet he's churning out performances. So, um, you know, I think I think he'd be my my first lean. Um, not that I haven't clicked the 12 to one, but like Derek brought up earlier, I think it's really important to note that he's, he's going to be in the truck race. He's going to have as much track time as just about anybody. Um, and similarly, you know, similar price right with him is, is William Byron. You can almost make the exact same case. Uh, a lot of track time for him as well. Going to be running the trucks as well. Um, if you look at um, the drive rating here, just at the Bristol dirt, he was eighth. Um, but I think it's interesting to note too, he's really good at the, at the concrete track, right? So if, if this does play out less like a, less like a dirt track and a little bit more um, like a concrete race, you know, he's sixth and average finished at the at Bristol concrete over the last three races there. Um, and, you know, obviously the momentum factor, he's been number one in total speed over the last six races. So uh, Logano and Byron are definitely my leans in this range, but not quite enough to click it quite yet. Yeah, kind of like uh, you were saying about Logano, I can get him at 14 to one. Um, Logano, I like with, you know, racing in the double duty. Uh, Byron as well. When are you going to get Byron 13 to one open? with how well he's been running. So uh, no hate there at all with either of those two. I see, I, I can't imagine that those prices are necessarily going to stay um, depending what groups come in and start investing their um, dollar amounts and, and getting their other groups then uh, on some of those prices. But those two names uh, jump off the page to me uh, at the top um, to kind of key in if you're going to go after anybody. Yeah. And uh Refresh me, Chris. Are is Cup practicing qualifying before the truck race or after? Before the race, like the all the practices are on Friday night, so it's it's like truck cup, okay. truck cup. Like they're going to do two different yeah. sessions. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're going to get uh, basically we're going to get um, a look in both. Basically, a look mm-hmm. at them on Cup practice on Friday before their race um, mm-hmm. on Saturday. Truck series, so. Uh, definitely something to monitor um, if they show some speed on Friday and then obviously can beat up on a lower series on Saturday. Um, that I think is as predictive as you might be able to get pre uh, race on Sunday as to you know, guys that have a bit of comfort at this track. And the Chris's point Logano has, um, has proven to hit here time after time historically. And, and a quick note, I don't really know how much this is going to pertain at a dirt track, um, but I did listen to door before clear today and they had Chandler Smith on there and Chandler, Obviously, just had his first victory in the Xfinity Series this past weekend. Um, he also raced in the Cup Series, his Cup deb- debut at Richmond. Um, but a little interesting nugget that he dropped that I thought was super interesting. He's, he felt like this Cup car is more comparable to the truck than it is the Xfinity car. So, you know, again, I don't know how much this is going to pertain to dirt, but I guess something to keep in the back of our minds, yeah. especially since we've only got these two series this weekend. It's only truck and Cup, and we've got three guys running the trucks. Uh, I think to your exact point, right? If if we kind of see them catching on in the trucks, um, maybe something to note going into the heat Saturday. So, yeah. All right. Right on. So not quite enough, um, again, to make a move here in the outright markets on Tuesday night, but uh, some leans, some some small leans here on Logano and Byron. If you can get like a 12 or a 14 to one, um, that's a number certainly to monitor as the week goes on. But let's move on into some long shots and, or at least, you know, past the 15 to one range into the twenties now uh, where it's, you know, you, you can make moves and not completely hinder your ability to, um, to supplement your card as the week goes on. So these are a little bit less, um, 
adding added names in this range will again still give you the leeway if you want to at the top of the board as the week goes on. But we do start here at sixteen to one uh, with Denny Hamlin, uh, Daniel Suarez. Surprisingly, at, at eighteen to one, I do know actually he did lead quite a bit of that twenty twenty one race. He was actually one of the bigger surprises on the on the Bristol Dirt debut there, eighteen to one this week here. Alex Bowman at twenty to one, Martin Truex at twenty to one, and then Ross Chastain um, at twenty two to one. Probably the first time. I've ever seen him press behind his track house teammate there, but Hamlin, Suarez, Bowman, Truex, Chastain is the next group of like five names here. Um, are we, you know, we're still dealing with top class equipment, top tech, top class talent on top class teams. Um, anything stand out to you guys uh, from kind of 16 to 22? I think the one guy for me, you know, Truex, we could talk about him a little bit. Truex is a guy that won, um, you know, the truck race uh, was, I think it was the first year uh, that they did the racing on dirt. So, you know, in the TRD, uh, he's got an opportunity, I think, to you know, maybe come out and surprise some people. Daniel Suarez in that first race in 2021 uh, as well. I mean, he he almost won the, the race in the Cup Series, would have been his first win in Cup. So at 20 to 1, he's in a better, he's got a better car now than he did then. Um, so something was working. I know it was day race versus the night stuff, but, um, you know, having a finish like that, you don't really, you don't luck into top twos and threes, uh, unless you're, you know, you're really talented if you're finishing up there, it doesn't matter. So those two names, uh, came to mind for me, you know, we would talk about Denny a lot of, of like a short track, but I just think the dirt element, I, I I've got to go back and listen to it. And Chris, maybe you remember, but I just feel like when it comes to dirt, it's maybe like a throwaway for him versus the other places. He's really strong. So uh, maybe I'm fading Denny in some matchups this week uh, versus obviously playing him. But yeah, the two names came to mind for me, Truex Suarez. Yeah, I, um, I do like Suarez. I don't know if I'm going to get there from an outright perspective, but I think he's someone to keep an eye on definitely in the prop market for sure. Like a facing position or a matchup, essentially we could catch somebody like, you know, I could definitely see them posting. I mean, I know that Derek had access to some matchups, but I haven't none on my book yet, but I'd be interested to see who they pair with him. Um, actually, he might've been on the grid rival this week. We might need to talk about that, but um, yeah, I guess the only name that I really, that really stuck out to me in this range is actually Alex Bowman. Um, this is one of the deeper guys that actually does have a lot of dirt experience. Um, it's also worth noting that his, um, his crew chief has dirt experience as well. So I think that's kind of that's kind of interesting note, um, and I think he's really got a misleading, like a misleading um, how his how everything's kind of panned out for him in the past at these at these two races. Um, but he raced out really well for me here. Um, as far as driver rating, um, he was uh, oh crap, where is it at? He was twelfth in driver rating uh, between the two races uh, last year, uh, but tenth in average finish. Um, and he's also one of the guys that I've kind of noted as I kind of I went through and noted like, hey, who who's kind of learned like between the two years who got who, who maybe had a bad, bad result in 2021 mm-hmm. then had a good result in 2022. I kind of put a little for me in here to kind of notate that he's one of the guys who improved himself from 22nd to sixth um, in the, between the two years. So um, and not to mention, too, like he's our current points leader. He's fourth in total speed. Mm-hmm. So he kind of hits that momentum factor. Um, so for, to be in this Hendrick camp, to be 20 to one, have dirt experiences, he's checking a lot of boxes for me, honestly, at 20. So, um, you know, this is kind of where I'd be willing to start my card. I don't, I don't, I don't really want to go too much higher than this or too much shorter odds to to start Mm -hmm. my card, at least this early in the week. So, um, I haven't clicked Alex Bowman's name, but I sure am talking myself into it right now. (laughs) 
Can I give you a couple of rapid fire head to heads real quick that have yeah. some of the guys we talked about? So Martin Truex at even money versus Daniel Suarez minus one ten. Uh, which side do you lean? Oh man, um, man, it's hard to not go Suarez, right? I mean, fourth an average finish, fifth in driver rating, actually third mm-hmm. in driver rating between these two races in the two years here. Um, I know Truex should be at the Clash too, so you, I mean, you get you might measure that in a little bit but i think i think i almost yeah. lean suarez here okay and then the last one is bowman versus suarez even money minus 114 which side do you lean there i think bowman i think i have to go okay. bowman with, with what i yeah. just laid out so those are i mean obviously they're priced pretty evenly from the odds boards like they typically are but i think those are tough yeah. matchups uh, yeah, there's, really- I, I wouldn't say there's a big edge there but if we're talking yeah you know just for the sake of conversation right i think those are fun well, it sounds like all we need is a Bowman versus Truex matchup, so we can hammer Bowman if uh, if there's a little gap between uh, those three mm-hmm. drivers, based on how you just mm-hmm. rate them. So, yeah, something to definitely keep an eye on. Um, and to call a quick note, real quick, to to kind of touch on the matchups, right? Grid rival this week. I guess this shows you how highly they project Suarez. They've got Reddick and Suarez matched up against each other in Grid rival. Yeah, that would be. Um, That'd be a lot of juice to pay on Reddick, I feel like, on the sports book. So, yeah, definitely uh, something to keep an eye on on those kind of fantasy games and um, and stuff like that. But, all right, let's um, yeah, let's let's kind of move on into into some lower-tier guys. I know uh, Chris does happen to have a click here at 25 uh, to 1 already, but we kind of move into these 25 to 40 range where, um, you know, you can start to maybe be a bit more – gung-ho with the fades you're that you're willing to make you know guys that you're just completely out on uh whereas i feel like sometimes you kind of have to head your bets in the 16 to 20 range when if and when guys show speed uh you kind of have to take notice whereas um there's maybe some dead money to be found here from 25 up to 50 to 1 so we're going to start with ricky stenhouse jr uh at 25 to 1 uh followed by brad, brad kozlowski i know two guys that rated pretty highly in your model uh particularly um considering how you know where they are on the odds board but yeah, Stenhouse, Kozlowski, 25 and 33 to 1. Chris Buescher, uh, RFK teammate at 40 to 1. Kevin Harvick at 41 must not have much of a dirt background if, uh, if he's got the 35-point discount to where we saw last week. Uh, and then Austin Dillon, Bubba Watson oh, – sorry, <laughs> Masters. Uh, Wallace, Josh Bailey, pr- and Ty Kerr. All at 50 to 1. Yeah, a little slip there. But, yeah, big range there from 25 to 50. Um, I'm not going to make you all – you know give your thoughts on every single one of these guys. But if you do have a couple favorites here, kind of in the middle range of the board, or maybe a couple guys that you are uh, wholeheartedly looking to fade um, here heading into the week, um, feel free on either side of that. Yeah. So this is my first click of, of the Tuesday night bets. Um, but I am in on, I am in on Stenhouse at 25 to one. Um, I do think, you know, that seems like a rich number, right? But Stenhouse has been running really well since he won the 500 we've talked about it multiple times winning the 500 can is a really really big deal for a small team like this um and you know you know they can they can use a lot of that money to to you know make themselves better for the races to come and, and we've kind of seen that Senhouse has shown yeah. really good speed throughout the year um so yeah for a guy that is seventh in drive rating at these two bristle dirt races i think the heat race is only gonna is only gonna make his odds shorter because we're gonna see him you know be able to move his way through the field um, so Stenhouse 25 to one is, is for sure. I feel like, you know, when I bump up my model against the odds board, he was one of the top four values for me, uh, when it comes to where I thought he should be priced. Um, so this is the first click for me. However, 
I'm not opposed to Brad Kozlowski at 33 to one either. I think for a guy, for a, a program that has shown a big improvement on the short tracks as a whole, we've seen him be arguably a top five to seven car at the two short tracks we've seen just this year. Plus you throw in Bristol in the playoffs last year. Brad has shown some real, real speed at, at these short tracks. Um, he doesn't have the dirt background pedigree necessarily, uh, but eighth and average finish at these first two iterations of this race. So um, yeah, I, I like these two names a lot in this range. Well, it's interesting, Chris, because I was trying to find, you know, which one would I get on in these guys? Stenhouse, I, I get the dirt background, but Stenhouse, anytime I bet him, it's it's kind of like, oh, God, how bad could it go? Or will, will this be the day? Uh, he's in a head-to-head uh, against Brad, actually, uh, where Stenhouse is the favorite at minus 120 to Brad's minus 110. So, I mean, these guys are right there. I, I don't know if I'm I, – I, I see your argument. Uh, for Stenhouse, Brad, on the other hand, and I'm curious to hear from you, like what were some of the stats on Brad over the last two years? Uh, I get that he was with Penske in 21 and tw- in 22 that I wouldn't say that they were probably in the best position because it was a newer team. But um, did he run well, at least like last year? Because then that might be like my tipping point. Uh, it he's, could he's, be. He's finished 11th both years. Oh, um, much better than I thought. Yeah, and then if you look at driver rating, which I don't really know how much you can really fare driver rating into a dirt track, but you're looking at 14th and 18th, but 14th better, right? Better than when he was in the Penske car. Um, so he actually showed improvement. He's one of those guys that I think I kind of noted as showing a lot of improvement between the two years. Um, and like I said, when you mix in the obvious uh, advantage that they've RFKs all of a sudden shown at these short tracks, I mean, Busher won Bristol Concrete last year, and and yeah. Brad has been and Brad's been. I mean, let me check real quick what his numbers actually been. But at these two short tracks this year between Phoenix and Richmond, he's been eighth in total speed and ninth in total speed. So, like, I mean, I think I'm talking myself into a into clicking Brad right now, to be honest with you. I think you are. Yeah. I think that little exercise just talked you into it. So, okay. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, Ricky Stenhouse locked in a 25-door potential for a Brad Kozlowski there. And I, I think you can find him somewhere between 30 and 35 to one on every single shot I've been looking at. Um, but yeah, definitely some compelling numbers to back those two outrights up. Um, Derek, I guess, you know, I know it's early in the week for you. You haven't quite flushed out everything um, <laughs> that you're, that, that you're going to be putting into your card this week. But, you know, if I can frame it maybe another way, when, as we kind of go forward in the week, you know, if, if as we go into practice on Friday, um, I guess practice and qualifying are both on Friday, right? Sorry, this is the second mm-hmm. time I've asked this. No, the, but, the heats, okay. heats are on Saturday, practice on Friday. Yep. Heats on Saturday. Yep. Okay, so as we go into Friday and Saturday, basically, the practice and qualifying, is there something that you're – is there somebody, something that you're looking for in particular? Like, is there is there a driver that really kind of compels you um, that, you, that you're quite bullish on? Maybe you're not um, prepared to make the move at the number currently available, but uh, is there someone that, you know, you'll be keeping a particularly close eye on on maybe Friday or Saturday? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to be looking, and I was watching the race earlier just to kind of get a feel. Uh, I watched I watched the upcoming race probably about three or four times in a week. And so as I was watching it, it gave me a good idea uh, for the race feel, but it rained a few times, so it was a little bit of a different element. But the one thing I want to look at is I want to look at the practice speeds, uh, so whether that's something through iFantasy Race or, or maybe Ryan Stevens has something, Racing Reference has stuff over there. Um, you know, and just kind of look at some high line. Yeah, absolutely. So look at some of the past history stuff 
uh, and then apply it going into this year to get an idea. But I really, I kind of go back to the William Byron's, the Joey Logano, that number 13, 14 to one. Uh, I'll shop around and find out what the best line is with there, but that's probably where I'm going to start my card. Uh, And let's just say Larson or Bell go out there and they, you know, they're ripping it and they pull it and they move down to like a four to one or four and a half to one, then I'll buy that because six and a half to four and a half isn't that big of a difference. And, um, you know, it, again, that, that will be more like a hedge for some of the other investments of like head to heads or something uh, that I'll do. Yeah. Fair enough. And it sounds like Chris is probably in the same camp, given that he started his card at 25 to one still leaves plenty of room to go to the top of the board. If, if need be, if a dominant car does emerge, uh, right on Friday and Saturday. So, um, all right. Well, I know um, definitely not the the volume of bets that we're, you know you're used to on a Tuesday show, but certainly uh, we have pl- that means we have plenty of bullets left to fire over the course of the week. You know, Chris uh, will be uh, posting his his final card on on kind of Friday night or I'm sorry on Saturday night Sunday morning uh, as per usual. Um, and then Derek, you know, he always I know you always post your card kind of Sunday morning alongside most of the NASCAR industry, uh, but you can certainly get his his thoughts on not only his Wednesday betting preview, but uh, but all things go in the, th- in the other various, uh, you know, features that he, he does over the course of the week. So um, I'll kind of give Derek man final, final, final say on, uh, on just the race in general, kind of what you're looking at um, and maybe uh, just final overarching thoughts on, on Bristol dirt. Yeah. I, I think where we can uh, for whether you're the casual or you're the avid uh, NASCAR better, definitely looking at some of the different markets, whether it's manufacturer, cause you could get some, value uh on a guy you know when they're just competing against their specific manufacturer i think that's a good place to look this week um one thing that i found was like even the team and and again shop around but like we know briscoe's going off around nine to one but Stuart haas is sitting there at like uh seven and a half to one and i'm sure that number's inflated elsewhere so it's just kind of doing maybe a little bit more digging this week and just trying to find maybe where did the books leave an opportunity for us. But I really think I I do believe from a live betting standpoint, and hopefully people listening, the majority at least can get in in a live betting state because there are a fair amount of markets right now available uh, to us. And NASCAR is going to be the only show, uh, you know, during that specific time, we're not going to have to compete against anything. So there's no reason why we shouldn't have uh, live markets across multiple books. But uh, I think it's going to be one of those things where the race is going to come to you from a betting standpoint. So let that happen. But, you know, Chris made some compelling points why you get on a guy that's maybe around that 20 to one number, um, but it's definitely something that there's not enough track history, but the little bit that we do, I think you can find some opportunities for sure. So I- I'm looking forward to the race a hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, if you do not live in a live betting state, which I do not, um, or at least, yeah, if you don't live in a, in a live betting state, um, or legal live betting state, I should say, sorry. Um, I can, I can refer you to a few books that, that might uh, have mm-hmm. you covered. So there's, there's definitely avenues uh, to get involved. And it sounds like both of you guys are going to be leading pretty heavily into that angle this week. And, uh, you know, and, and letting your eyes and obviously just having as much information as possible when you do inside, when you do decide to invest in a potential outright winner or anything else um, over the course mm-hmm. of this race. So, all right, well, Derek, man, that was awesome talking, uh, not just for yeah. Mr. Dirt, but Astros, man, thank you for for being so generous with your time over three hours uh, now, I think, on call with us. So always awesome to have you on, man. Good luck with the show on Wednesday. You know me and Chris will be in attendance. And yeah, then, thank you. Uh, good luck with your bets and everything uh, going for this yeah. week. So for no, me, I appreciate Chris, it. Yeah. yeah.
go for it, man. Yeah. I was going to say, I always appreciate you guys and, and what you do for, for me and the community and uh, everybody involved. I mean, I know, I mean, I listen to the show every week, both episodes, uh, especially when I'm getting into the golf scene, always listen to the NASCAR one because that's what I do. But I, I appreciate what you guys are doing and uh, all the, uh, the avenues that you're uh, helping to make within both industries, especially where, where the stuff that you're going with Ian and um, yeah, just always appreciate it. So uh, it's fun to watch. I'm like, I said, I'm looking forward to it. There, there is a big picture to it with, you know, Martinsville's next week. And then, um, you know, we have some other races coming up that were, are a little bit easier to handicap, but I just appreciate you guys having me on and let me just chat for a little bit. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. It's been, it's been awesome. I mean, we kind of reminisced a little bit on the master show, but like, I mean, this is basically marks the one year anniversary of me getting to really know you um, at least over call uh, as much as you can. So just to, just to see where we're kind of, both entities of ours have, have grown and just the overall uh, industry of NASCAR, but as a whole, I mean, it's, it's only going to go uh, one way from here. So it's great to, to hear you guys do your thing. There's so many compelling, um, not only betting angles, but so many per compelling personalities within y'all space. And um, it's such an easy product to sell because I mean, it's just, it's fun listening to you guys talk about pretty much anything, let alone um, some actionable advice in the betting markets. So um, yeah, man. So Chris, Ian, we'll be back next week. I'm sure we'll have Derek on hopefully at some point, uh, for some NASCAR, maybe a bit of golf talk as the season wears on. But um, hope you guys enjoyed, and let's catch some tickets here.